You're about to listen to a message by Pastor Ikenna Okeke of the Father's Church. This message will challenge, encourage, and propel you to fulfill your purpose and live that life that God originally designed for you as revealed in His Word. Be blessed as you listen. I think in this season, God is just trying to, you know, focus our attention on what really matters. The truth is that there is not so much to learn. Our Lord Jesus speaking says, this is eternal life, that you may know him, the only true God. The knowledge of God solves every problem. The lack of the knowledge of God or poor knowledge of God is the root of every problem. The Bible says, my people are destroyed, not because they are weapons, not because of anything but what? For lack of knowledge, because they have rejected knowledge. So when we know God, no matter the situation, no matter the circumstance, that knowledge of God is like a compass. It helps us respond and behave appropriately in that situation. Just like what we saw when we looked at um, Jehoshaphat in Second Chronicles 20. What was the word to him? Position yourself. The knowledge of God is a global, irrespective of the problem, positioning system. When you know God in any circumstance, you'll be rightly positioned. Praise the Lord. Just, you know, in reference now, the Seraphonician woman is a challenge to me. Because this woman was not a Jew. Okay? But we could see that she had grown in the knowledge of God. Even by the name she was calling Jesus. Son of David. That name was saying you are the Messiah. Even some of the Pharisees, or rather most of the Pharisees were contending that. Some of the disciples didn't also understand that. But the woman knew something. She had, you know, gotten some revelation. But the beauty of what happened with her was that whatever she thought had been challenged. And you can say evaporated. And that is where, you know, quite a few people are in Nigeria. We think, or we had expected, just like Mary and Martha, that this problem would have been solved by now, isn't it? You know, so we, we started believing initially, and we are believing, and we are believing, but how come it's getting worse? Now, with this woman, she started calling on Jesus, that son of the, and he was not listening to her. And then the disciples were saying, go away. Then when Jesus had time to talk to her, he said, go, I'm not sent, except at that point, do you understand? Her fuel should have run out. Her patience should have finished. Everything she came with was to expire. But you see, there's this passage, there's this scripture that says, Magnify the Lord with me. For the Lord is what? Able. There's a magnification of the Lord. That's what we do. You know why? Just like, um, okay, if you're science inclined here, you'll understand that the universe has been growing ever since. The better the telescopes they get, the bigger the universe they see. Does anybody know that? The better they can see, the more stars they can see. The better they can see, the more planets they can see. The better they can see, the more galaxies they can see. At the last count, they say the closest galaxy they can see is 92 billion whatever light years away from Earth. Now, one light year, you can't imagine it. Not to talk of 1,000 light years. Not to talk of 100,000 light. Not to talk of 1 billion light years. Not to talk of 92. 
That's how big the universe, physical universe, created by God. Are you with me? So, magnify the Lord means you've not seen it happen. You don't downgrade your faith. You upgrade your knowledge of God. Are you with me? And you know, a lot of things that Lord Jesus Christ did when he was on, and not a lot of things, everything. He said, as I see the Father do that, I do. So in John 11, when we had the experience, when we was recorded for us, the experience of the raising of Lazarus, when they sent him, him whom thou lovest is sick, okay? Jesus heals with a word. So he could have just sent back to the person. By the time you get back, he'll be healed. But for some reason, the father wanted Mary, Martha, and the Jews then to magnify him. So he stayed back. When he heard, what did he do? He stayed back. It's not a natural response. Praise the Lord. But because God needed us to expand, he needed the Jews to expand their horizon, expand their measurement of God. So he stayed back and made sure that Lazarus died and was buried and was rotting. And he still came. I tell somebody he will still come. (laughs) The challenge is that you were waiting for him to heal. But what you want ultimately is life. Isn't it? What Mary and Martha wanted was that Lazarus would be with them. Abby? So when Jesus didn't heal, they said Lazarus will no longer be with them. But when they saw God expanding and enlarging, he said, did I not say to you that if you would believe, you will see the glory of the Lord? We've learned here that believing is not technical. Believing is a judgment. Believing is a moral decision. It's what you decide. Okay? So in that situation, what Jesus did was stretch their knowledge of God. So Jesus is a healer. They know that. That's why they sent for him. But when he died, they buried him. And were looking for comfort. That was all they were looking for. But Jesus came to prove to them that even in the grave, Jesus is what? Lord. Even in the camp of the devils, Jesus is Lord. He can send for Lazarus. And if you read that account, very interesting account. When you read that account, the Bible said, when he got to the tomb and asked them to remove the stone, before he said anything, he said, Father, I thank you. He, Lazarus hadn't been raised from the dead, but he said, Father, I thank you. You know what? He knew his father's capacity. He knew that the father cannot fail. He knew that the father would not fail. So he wasn't waiting. Praise the Lord. He wasn't waiting to see. He said, Father, I thank you. And he said, He said, Father, I thank you that you hear me. But he said, I'm saying this, not even between both of us. I'm saying it for the knowledge, for the benefit of these people who are here. And then what did he do? He said, Lazarus, comfort. Now, which one was easier? Was it to send the word and keep Lazarus from dying or to wait for him to die and raise him from the dead? They were the same thing to him. With a word, he raised him. With a word, he would have healed him. But it was done for my benefit. For your benefit. So that when I say, God, I'm expecting you to come on Monday. If after Monday he doesn't come, I will wait for him on Tuesday. If after Tuesday he doesn't come, I'll wait for him on Wednesday. You know why? Because he is the I am that I am. He said to Moses, said to them, I am has sent, not I will be. Praise the Lord. Darkness and light, yesterday and today, is the same to him. 
What we know is that the knowledge of the glory of the Lord will do what? Will cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. Nobody at the end of the day will see the last page in his life experience and say, God disappointed me. It's impossible. What the conclusion will always be, God has been faithful. Praise the Lord, somebody. So part of what I had, I think this was for Sunday actually, but our sister has brought it to my mind. The inside and outside temperature. You see, our Lord Jesus in John 16, 13 said, My peace I give to you. John 16, 33. He says, not as the world gives. There's a peace that God gives his children that is not universal. You understand? It's a private peace. It's a covenant peace. It's a peace that, you know, he says, that in me you may have peace in the world. Okay. Can you find the one that it says, my peace I give to you? Okay, that's John 14, 26, sorry. 26 and 27. This one is, in, this, in the world you have tribulation. John 14, 16 and 26 and 27. Thank you. Okay, 27. It says, peace I leave with you. My peace I what? Give. He's giving us his peace. Do you understand? He's not giving us the peace of the world. So there's a peace when all around you is peaceful. But there is a peace when the one who dwells inside of you is the prince of peace. There are two different levels of peace. Praise the Lord. You know, the way you know, this was explained to me, is that when you're flying and you're far up, you know, 33,000 feet above sea level and all of that, you notice if you read the uh, um, computer, the dashboard computer or whatever, they're going to show you outside temperature. And it will be minus whatever, whatever, whatever degrees. Then they're going to show you inside temperature. It won't be anything like that. Now, God is saying to you and I that in this world, no matter what is happening outside, with me, I can keep your temperature inside conducive. Are you getting me? I can keep your temperature inside conducive. And that's what we began to look at. We, we learned a bit of it from Romans 15, 13, where it says, May, God of, may the God of hope fill you. With all peace and joy, or joy and peace, in believing. This joy and peace is what? In believing. It's not a question of the news you hear. It's a question of who you believe. They says, I know whom I believe. Paul speaking. And I'm what? Persuaded. I know whom I believe. My circumstances don't look like that, but I know whom I what? Believe. Those are the things that make for internal peace. It's like where you know there's a plan. If you watch, you know, all these uh, action movies and all of that, you see a lot of that. You see someone there and the enemy is saying, we'll kill you and all of that. And the man is smiling. Then the next thing you see a light from a sniper, you know, zoomed in on the chest, on the forehead of the person that is threatening. And boom, the person drops. Why? Because there is a plan before now. Are we understanding? Now, God has said to us, power belongs to me. God has spoken once and twice have I heard it at what? Power belongs to God. All power belongs to God. Our Lord Jesus retreating that said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been what? Given to me. So he says, go therefore. Every word Jesus speaks to us is not a word that will be difficult for him to bring to fulfillment. There's not anything he asks us to do that is difficult for him. The only challenge, like we also saw in that account, is our believing. That's why I say to the man, if you can believe. 
So we are working every day on believing. That's why I, I was happy these songs were sang. Because part of that singing helps us to believe. Don't take praise and worship lightly. It helps you to believe. For me, many times, you know, someone is sick, they say pray. I can't pray unless I praise God because it helps me take myself from, I'm not talking to Jack, I'm not talking to Jill, I'm not talking to Adamu, I'm not talking to Labaja. I'm talking to God because when I praise him, I refocus my mind to the one I'm asking to heal. Praise the Lord. Some people call him Dr. Jesus. He's wonderful, but he's not a doctor. Hallelujah. He's Jesus. I mean, he's okay. But do you understand what I'm saying? You know, the mind, the Bible says, sanctify now the Lord God in your heart. It's a setting apart. It makes all the difference. You know, you can be in a place and I'm saying, and I'm saying, Ahmed, 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 Ahmed. And you say, oh, but I'm coming. Then you hear a particular voice say, Ahmed. You drop everything and you start running. Why? The dimension has changed. Who is now speaking is on a different level. It's the same thing when we come to God. You say, he that comes to God. He that comes to what? God. You can come to me and doubt. You can come to some other person and doubt. But he that comes to God must believe that he is. Praise God. That he is and that he is what? A rewarder. He's a responder. He's actively involved. He's concurrent. He's not retired. He's not in the future. He's not in the past. He's now and will be and will forever be. Praise God somebody. Okay, so, so he gave me instances. He said, when you read the Bible, you see men and women who lacked internal, you know, uh, uh, temperature or, 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 or good temperature internally. And he showed me Herod. Okay? You know the account of Herod. But Herod heard about John the Baptist. Oh, sorry, heard about the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Bible said he was panicking. And he said, ah, what is going on? He said, most likely... This must be John the Baptist come back to life. Now, if they told him right, the Bible says John the Baptist walked no miracle. But Jesus was walking miracles every day. Okay? So, John the Baptist was a wild man. You know, his system was different. Jesus was completely, you know, mellow and sweet and nice and all of that. So, really, there should be no, nothing about Jesus that should remind you of John the Baptist. Are you following now? I'm going somewhere. Now, but when somebody's conscience is dealing with him, when somebody is guilty in a place, say, good morning. He said, are you accusing me? Do you understand? Because internally, he was troubled. So any news that came up was touching the same. It's like when you have an injury, when you have a heart, you know, an injury in a part of the body. If someone hugs you, they came to hug you with love. But because there is something there, it will touch it and it will be a hurt. Do you understand that? It's the same thing. So once the internal is not right, and that's what is happening in Nigeria. A lot of people, because truly, if you've been in this country and you've been part of the problem that we're going through, you, you, you shouldn't be able to sleep. Do you understand? Because your conscience will be troubling internally without anything being said. Praise God. The internal pressure or internal temperature will be too high. So as you see, that's why you realize if you've noticed that, if you've had friends or people close to you who have been in government and then they leave government, when you hear them talk about the issues of the nation, you can see their passion and how they, what is happening there is that they're wishing they did better. 
They are wishing. Their consciences are beating them because they are remembering the things they should have done that they didn't do. Praise God. But when your internal temperature or internal pressure is good, nothing happens outside. Should I give you one illustration? Uh, um, Peter, Peter the disciple. The, the Bible says in Acts chapter 12, you can, you can just note it, but the Bible says in Acts chapter 12, Herod took, took James and beheaded him. And when he saw that he pleased the Jews, what did he do? He also took Peter and was going to behead him, but he realized that the next day was Passover. So there won't be a crowd. So he kept him to wait. That means from Friday, he waited till Sunday. Now, Saturday night, the night before Peter will be beheaded, he had seen James's beheadment. So he knew it wasn't a joke. Beheadment, no. Eh? So he knew it wasn't a joke. Go and read that passage. The angel that they sent had to shake him up. What kind of sleep will a man be sleeping? His feet in stocks in between two soldiers that are going to behead you the next day. The peace of God that passeth all understanding. The peace of God. You see, the beauty, the beauty of our faith, you can't measure it in Naira and Kobo. That's why when we talk about the riches of the glory of his inheritance amongst the saints. It's not car. It's not house. It's a peace that is beyond. It's a joy that knows no bound. It's a woman having children but yet not having born. Do you understand? You, because these children, you have better them in the spirit. You pray for them. You teach them. You long to, to bring them into the nature of Christ. They're your children. You didn't go to a maternity world, but in heaven they are recorded against you because you're aligning with their destiny in God. Do you understand? It's, it's a beautiful kingdom to belong to. Okay? So Peter had that peace. I was sleeping. Daniel, they put Daniel with the lion. They had to call him. He wasn't the one shouting, Oh, Kingo, oh, Kingo, oh, Kingo. The king had to go and shout, Oh, Daniel. He said, King, I did. No shaking. Do you understand? When a man, the, the, this season, I, I said, my desire is that all this will purify the saints. Will refocus the saints. Because you see, there is no war. There is no better weapon than righteousness. There is no better weapon. Right standing with God. The place where your conscience, Paul speaking says, I strive to make sure that my conscience is void of offense towards God and towards man. Where I know that nothing can be found on me. In that point, child of God, when you pray, your heart will not condemn you. It's not, it's not self-righteousness. Do you understand? And when a threat comes, you will not respond to it. You'll say, go and tell that fox. But that any little thing you're running, who is controlling you? Praise the Lord. So as Christians, we have been privileged to have that peace that is of God. That peace that keeps us unshakable, immovable. Okay? And we'll retain that in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Praise God. Okay. Um, on Sunday, we looked at Jehoshaphat. Let, let's go back to that and, and, and see one or two things there. And we'll close. We, we had asked the question on Sunday. Who told Jehoshaphat and Judah to begin to sing and to praise God? How did they get that wisdom? The Bible says, uh, Second Chronicles 20, after he had finished the prayer, I believe we learned about prayer from that prayer, right? We learned prayer from that prayer. Very important lesson to learn from that. 
Because it matters that at such moments we are able to articulate, you know, and bring stability to our minds, you know, not fretting. We, we learned some time ago so that God gave every animal he created some measure, some system, some defense mechanism, okay? And we noted that the frog pumps up a lot of air into itself so it becomes enlarged and looks bigger. Some, uh, the skunk just generates this foul smell and drives away, you know, the prey that wants to attack it. Different animals with their own different defense mechanism. For the human being, you know what they give us? A heart. That's why the Bible says, be strong in the Lord. Your heart, once your heart is stable, you will have wisdom. You will know what to do. But when your heart faints, if you faint in that day of adversity, your strength is what? Measured as small. It's a strong heart. Quit ye men. You know, uh, uh, how does it say? Be brave. Act as men. The man God created is giving sense, but that sense does not operate when you panic. Do you understand? In that state of panic, you lose coordination. You become disorganized. Okay? So, all we need to do is to hold ourselves and look at what is going on. And realize the reasonable, the inspired response. Now, when Jehoshaphat had finished praying, verse 14 says, Then the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jehaziel. Okay, I was saying, talking about the heart, because that's how come Jehoshaphat could pray the way he prayed. He began the prayer with history. He began the prayer talking about God. He began the prayer telling God about how he had brought them forth. He told God about this particular people, how he told them, the Israel, not to harm them. He told God about his victories in time past. And then he told God, look, this is where we are now. He told God, these were your promises, that if we call on you, it takes a stable heart. Many times as believers, when challenges come our way, we lose our balance. You go, they give you a doctor, some, uh, not doctor's report now, lab report. Don't panic. Take it, sit down. There, there's this common one that has happened to a lot of people. They say, they ask them. They, ask them. they, they look at their BP. And they say, how did you come here? Uh, uh, how did I come? I came in through the window. I flew like mosquito. What's the meaning of that? How did I come there? If you didn't do that test, you'd have still been going and coming. I, I, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not against that. But you see, just think about it. You came. You were not feeling any symptoms. Then the moment they look and say, what? How did you come here? You, you fall sick. Now you can't come again. The next thing is that you lie down. What has happened is that your heart has been addressed. That's why it says, guard your heart. Guard your heart. So I'm not saying you should disobey, you know. But when they say, smile, say, I came in here. You know, and you can decide, I will go and come back or whatever. But don't fall into that whole thing. You came in there. Did your heart come out to tell you, look, you're in trouble? The heart was there, doing what it was doing. The, everything was working well. Then they now do a test. A machine prints out something. And then because of that, you fall sick. Bam. <laughs> it's getting too personal, I mean. No, just, just think. Don't, don't take my word for it. Just meditate on it. I have a doctor here. He's laughing. Why do they always ask that question, how did you come? So they're surprised that you could still be walking. But you're walking. So keep being surprised. 
Why do you not adjust to their surprise? What I'm trying to say is that it's your heart. Because once they tell you that, you become sick. You have taken it in. Whereas the same thing God is expecting you to do, when you hear his word, also what? Receive it and adjust your situation. Praise God. Anyway, so uh, um, Joseph had heard that and he calmed down. He did not, you know, get into panic. He finished speaking with God. And verse 14 says, Then the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jehaziah, the son of Zechariah, the son of Benaniah, the son of Jael, the son of Mataniah, a Levite of the sons of Asaph in the midst of the assembly. And he said, Listen, all you of Judah and you inhabitants of Jerusalem and you, King Joseph, thus says the Lord to you, Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed, because of this great multitude. For the battle is not yours, but God's. The word didn't come and say there is, there is no multitude. It said, do not be afraid. That's the point where it was addressing their heart. Do not fear is in the heart. Faith is in the heart. It said, do not be afraid. Then the instruction says, tomorrow go down against them. They will surely come up by the ascent of Ziz. And you find them at the end of the brook before the wilderness of Jeroboam. 17 goes on to say, you will not need to fight in this battle. Position yourself. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord who is with you, O Judah and Jerusalem. Do not fear or be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them for the Lord is with you. Can we see how often they are being told, do not fear, do not fear, do not fear. Why? Because once fear comes in, everything has gone. That's your defense mechanism. In fact, fear, if you are afraid, it will even begin to change your chemical composition. Do you know that? You feel fear already? Something, they run tests, everything has changed. Everything has changed. Nothing, I mean, ideally, physically has changed. But once fear has come in, your eye looks a different way, your heart beats a different way, your sweat glands respond a different way, everything changes. So that's why I keep saying, do not fear, do not fear, do not fear, do not fear. And to somebody tonight, the Lord is saying, do not fear in the name of Jesus. Do not fear that financial uh, deadline. Do not be afraid. Do not fear that medical situation. The God we serve is still the miracle working God. Do not be afraid. Put your hope in God. Praise the Lord somebody. Okay, so he said position yourself, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. And, and that's what we want to look at this evening. How we saw in this account, Joseph had positioned himself. What did he do? He appointed singers. First of all, he encouraged Judah. He said to them in verse 20, he said to them, believe in the Lord your God. And you shall be established. Believe his prophets and you shall prosper. Okay? This, we can't uh, reemphasize this. Believe the Lord and believe the word. That prophet there is those bringing his word. Okay? Believe the word of God that comes to you. Test the word. Make sure that it's the word from God. And if it's the word from God, then settle it. Praise God. Align your situation with it. So believe in the Lord your God and you shall be established. Believe his prophets and you shall prosper. And when he had consulted with the people, he appointed those who should sing to the Lord and who should praise the beauty of holiness. As they went out before the army and were singing, what were they singing? Praise the Lord for his mercy endures forever. Praise the Lord for his mercy endures forever. And verse 22 says, Now when they began to sing and to praise, 
You know, I always like these parts of scripture when you're reading scripture. Where it gives you a connection between man's action and God's intervention. That's what I, you know, we saw with the Syrophoenician woman. For this saying, the demon, the demon has what? Gone out of your daughter permanently. So this is what we see here. Now, when they began to sing. So the question could be, as a Bible scholar, you should ask yourself, what if they didn't begin to sing? What if they first were murmuring and, you know, saying we don't know, you know, how we go do this thing now? What would have happened? Does anybody know? Do we think the response would have been the same? Let's look at what happened when they began to sing. Let's read it fully. It says, now when they began to sing and to praise, the Lord sent ambushes. King James would say ambushment. The Lord sent ambushes against the people of Ammon, Moab and Mansell, who had come out against Judah, and they were defeated. For the people of Ammon and Moab stood up against the inhabitants of Mansell to utterly kill and destroy them. And when they had made an end of the inhabitants of there, they helped to destroy one another. Why? Because the people of God began to sing and to praise. Praise the Lord. The Bible, Second Corinthians 10, let's look at it, please, 3. Second Corinthians 10 from verse 3. It says, though we work in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. We walk in the flesh, but we do not walk according to the flesh. Now, how can you tie physically an action and reaction between Judah praising and Moab and Ammon fighting each other? You can't tie it. Do you understand? You cannot connect it. But you see, that's what we are learning. We are here, but there's a spiritual dimension to our lives. Okay? There's a spiritual dimension. So it says, we walk in the flesh. Yes, I go to Taco Market. I go to Wusi Market. I go to the bank. I go to all of that. But there's a spiritual dimension to my protection, to my safety, to my prosperity, to my healing. There's a spiritual direction superior to anything I do here. Okay? Verse 4 goes on. It says what? It says, for the weapons of our warfare, what? They are not carnal. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal. Does not mean they are not existent. Because you, most times, we, not you, we, we pray. And then we think that after we pray, we haven't really done much. Because nothing physical has been done. Because we have not been equipped with a carnal weapon. We have not used a carnal. The weapons of our warfare are non-existent. Is that what they said? No. They are not carnal. They are not physical. They are not iron and lead eh? and gunpowder. They are not like that. But rather, they are what? It says, but they are what? Mighty. So even though they are not carnal, they are not small. They are not um, negligible. Rather, they are what? Mighty. That's why Judah will praise. Moab and Ammon will kill themselves. Somebody say, let's go spiritual. <laughs> Let's go spiritual. The weapons of our warfare are not physical. Give, give us some other trans. They are not physical. Yet they are mighty. And you know, the, the account, this account, uh, uh, Judah and, and Jerusalem and Jehoshaphat, there were great multitudes. So if the option of going to fight physically, Judah would have taken many days. Assuming God was even going to give them that kind of victory. It would have taken many days. But because of the route they took to victory, it was quicker. Child of God, don't neglect, don't underestimate spiritual warfare, spiritual weapons. Praise the Lord. 
in any area of your life. Are you a businessman? Don't neglect it. For this thing you have free of charge. It's free to you. But Jesus' blood is what is at the back of it. People are killing their mother. Killing their sons. Burying cows. Do you understand? All that thing they are doing is to have some help in the spirit. But you, it has been done for you at the cross of Calvary. Now, when you pray and get up and don't expect it to happen because you're now still looking for some canal backup, you neutralize it. Are you with me? You neutralize it. Our weapons are there, but they're not canal. They're not canal, but they are mighty. And he says to the pulling down, okay, this one says, easy to read, say the weapons we use are not human ones. Our weapons have power from God. They are mighty through God. Amen. Okay? So that's what Joseph showed us here. They began to praise the Lord, and immediately this thing started happening in the camp of the enemy. The challenge about this uh, spiritual warfare, spiritual weapon, is that we have to operate it with patience. Okay? Because you know, if they went physically, okay, and the captain of the armies, you know, uh, drew a spear into the chest of one of the enemies, they'll see one person fall, Abby, and then the second person. So they'll be counting three people that fall. But when they're praising, would they know what's going on? That's where faith comes in. That's where faith comes in. That's where you have to believe God. That's where you have to believe God. You're trusting God for divine healing. You know, you're praying. And, and thank you, Holy Spirit, please. You know, based also on what we learned on Sunday, Psalm 62, 11, God has spoken once. God, God, the, the Spirit of God was explaining to me that I should let us understand that the fact that I'm praying and trusting God for healing does not mean I shouldn't use drugs. If that is what I, you know, if that's what, it doesn't negate that. All he's saying is know that the drug is able to work because I'm praying. Are you getting what I'm saying? You see, he's, he, I, I saw a circle. The way I saw it, I understood it was that it's a circle. And he said, I circumscribe this circle. I surround it. My power surrounds it. Whatever factor is playing inside this circle, I will determine the outcome. So when you pray to me in a situation, you're inviting me to use whatever means I choose. But your gaze must still be on me. So I can tell you, drop this one, pick this one. And I can tell you, turn this way. But your gaze is on me. Power belongs to me. Power belongs to God. That's what he said. So, in any situation, keep your focus on me. You know, when I say this, you know, drug thing, uh, medicine, sorry, medication thing, you must understand. I remember when I took, when uh, to sleep, it was volume five. I took five, no sleep. Ten, no sleep. Fifteen, no sleep. Do you understand? The chemical is able to work because God empowered it. When you have that faith, then if you go that route, you can pick it up and say, Father, I thank you that as I take this, this is what you're going to do for me. Are you getting what I'm saying? You put your confidence because all power, that's still the point, all power, whether it's coming through injection or through a massage or through, you know, just waiting on him, it is still of God. And he knows you know. The person who doesn't know may be free from it, but you know as a child of God. You know he's almighty. You know he's creator. You know even the wisdom for the doctor to tell you this is what to do. God gave them the wisdom. So you must always hallow him and expect him to do it. 
So that when it's done, you thank everybody. But you give him the glory. Praise the Lord. That takes me to something I, I want to share and then we'll close this evening. You know, it's not conclusive. Sorry, it's not comprehensive, but it will help us. Thanksgiving, praise, and worship. Okay? Because these are some weapons that we use in this war, spiritual weapons that we use in this war. I saw something in the Bible. I'm sure we've, we've been seeing it, but I saw it and it jolted me because, you know, when we talk about giving thanks, we use First Thessalonians 5.18, which says, in everything we give thanks. Okay? And we, in everything we give thanks for this is the will of God for us in Christ Jesus. And we have been, they've preached this to us and we preached it that we are not giving thanks for all everything. But we are giving thanks in everything. Okay? That's what, you know. Until I saw another thing in the Bible though, that had to make me start asking more questions. Ephesians 5.20. Ephesians 5.20. I don't want to read it, so we'll read it now. Now, everybody, let's read it together. Giving thanks always. What's going on here? I thought they said we don't give thanks for. Giving thanks, he said to me, giving thanks always for all things. So the route we used to escape from has gone. Giving thanks always. For what? (laughs) So you come to a brother, and maybe the sister I was to marry has just... Sent him a note and said, I've gone to marry Obi Kubana. Is it Obi Kubana that is it? Obi Kubana Jr. Kubana, Kubana High Priest or Kubana, Kubana Chief Whip. <laughs> I've abandoned you. You say, oh, brother, praise the Lord. Give thanks. What would the brother do to you? <laughs> but that's what the Bible said. Giving thanks always for all things. That's what the Bible is saying. It's a tough one, right? How do we handle this? (laughs) Hallelujah. To God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. When we go back to where we have as a, you know, a, a bit of our foundation. Power belongs to God. The power to hurt or power to bless is still from God. We talked about Laban. Laban said to Jacob, had it not been for the God of your father that appeared to me. Isn't it? I would have done this thing to you. Now, if Laban had also what, come and done anything, hurt Jacob, who would also have permitted it? Would have still been the God. Okay? Now, but the lesson there is this. When I understand that all power belongs to my God, whatever is able to get to me, whether it's beneficial in my interpretation or to my disadvantage in my interpretation, if I acknowledge him, what I've done is that I've jumped over that hurdle. I'm in a place where God can speak to me. Are you with me? I'm in a place where I can receive further instruction. I'm in a place where my eyes can be opened to comprehend what is going on. It's not easy. I saw it recently. That's what I'm telling you. Because what I used to tell people is that it's in all. It didn't say for. Until I saw it. I'm sure some of you may have seen it before and, and meditated. But I never saw it. He said to me, always and for all. Trying to, the point is that he's trying to bring you to the place where you know how great God is. It's not easy. So somebody, you know, like I told you the other time, somebody is your car. You say, oh, Father, you know, I thank you that somebody bashed my car. 
But at that, Dr. Connors, there was some way, you know, he was teaching some, one of his messages I was listening. And there was an angle he brought it, which I think makes sense. He said many times, when we complain and refuse, you know, complain and complain and complain, we complain because we are oblivious to the worst possibilities. Are you with me? Okay, so somebody bashed my car. And I come out and I say, ah, uh-uh, you bashed my car. Father, I thank you. What if, okay, they have shown me a picture where that car, I was in the car and the car some assaulted. Okay? And, you know, something bad happened to me. And then now they say, let's downgrade this challenge. He can't handle it. We won't permit that to happen. Okay? So, but the car will still have something so that it will be known that this one has expired. So instead of me having some assaulting in the car, somebody bashes the car. If I have all that information, what will I be doing? That's why you see people, when they survive and I say, they don't complain. They say, I thank God, though. Hey, I thank God, though. Is it not what they're doing? But the only difference now is that they're doing it with sight. If you see the picture, eh, I should have been dead and they're thanking God. Now, will you wait for them to always show you all of that? You have grown. Clap for yourself. You have grown. You don't have to wait. You don't have to wait. The people that were kidnapped, when they released them, what are they doing? The reason for thanking God will never finish as long as you're here. So if we learn to give thanks always for all things to God, the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus, we have become wiser. It removes, it clears the path. That's what I started with. It clears the path for further instruction, for communication, for direction. It's not easy, but his grace will abound towards us in Jesus' name. So thanksgiving is transactional. Thanksgiving, I thank God for what has happened or for what hasn't happened. In this case, now we're saying, if that's what is going to help us, but, you know, to thank God. I thank God this happened, it could have been worse. Okay? So I thank God for it. But however, thanksgiving always refers to a transaction. Something that has happened, something good God has done for me, or something bad that God saved me from. Something good that God has done for somebody I love, somebody that is dear to me. You have a testimony. You know, I bless God. Pastor Chris, I thank God for the deliverance. You know, for those of us who were at the governor's meeting, the plane that he was in was almost going to be run into by a landing plane. The plane had to dodge like an orca, like a canapep. From what you described, I think it's Kekenapep. Keke is three tires, Abby. Yeah, that's the closest to plane. So the thing swerved. Imagine plane swerving. Okay? So when God delivers, you thank God. When God provides, you thank God. When God does all of that, we thank God. And, you know, that's what Thanksgiving does. We give thanks transactionally. And like our announcement says, when we give thanks for something God has done, it opens up, up you know, opportunity for us to experience something else okay so thanksgiving is transactional praise on the other angle which is what joseph did here praise is demonstrational i'm going somewhere praise is what demonstrational listen to me you see i praise god because of his ability i don't thank god i thank god for what he has done i thank god for what he will do i can do that as well but when i praise I praise to the measure of his ability. So the nation of Israel, when they came out, they were singing and praising God. He says, for the, he parted the Red Sea 
and the horse and the rider he has what? Thrown into the sea. So they were praising his acts, his mighty deeds, his capability. The way this was, you know, made for me to understand is this. If we're Nigerian now, who, who do we have as a Nigerian star that we really like? Okay, if it was in the days of, um, um, who is our best footballer now, man? Nigerian footballer. I don't even know him. I've never heard of him. Osime. Okay, so if, if we're playing uh, uh, African Cup or some match now, Moses Simon or, okay, if it, the, the days of a culture and all of that, if we're playing any of those matches and our people come out, what do we do? We praise them. We say, you do understand? Because of their skills, we, we are praising their capability to produce something in that field. Do you understand? When we praise God, that's what we do. So when Josaphat and Judah started praising God here, they were praising him because he was a man of war who never lost a battle. Praise the Lord. They were praising him because one way or the other, he's going to win this battle. They were praising him because it's in his character to win. He has a strength. He has beaten all records. Do you understand what I'm saying? So when we praise God, it's demonstrational. You're saying in this situation, God will demonstrate his power. The same way when they put the line up, some of us who know soccer will be saying, ah, why didn't the coach put this person? You, he's not fielding the person you have confidence in. We praise God because of the confidence we have in him. That's why he's a very powerful weapon. Are you with me? So you just start praising him. Just like some people, when they want to board the plane, they'll say, ah, this plane is new. This plane is big. You're, you're guilty. All of us are guilty. But with time, you come to learn that Safety is not of the age of the plane. <laughs> this pilot is Oyibo. The pilot, the, the pilot makes an announcement. He says he's a white man, so they fly to be safe. You see, what you're doing is that you're praising capability. Do you understand? You're saying because of this, this will happen. When we praise God, we are saying because of who he is, this challenge is moi moi. Do you understand? This challenge is nothing. Because of who he is, you're exalting him. You're praising his ability, his track record to win, to have victory over circumstances like this. You understand? So what that does is that it boosts your faith. Praise boosts your faith. Praise, you know, just gets you ready. That's why matches, you know, I, 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 before I, ne I never understood it. That's why in football, Matches home and away, the scores are read differently. Because when you play home, you have more praisers. When you play away, you have more um, what, opposite of praises, what? Opponents or, you know, whatever. Okay? That's, it counts. So as a child of God, you wake up in the morning and you think of the problems of Nigeria. You begin to say, on the mountain, in the valley, on the land. And in the sea, do you understand? You begin to exalt him. You begin to praise his name. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Jehovah, the man of war. Okay? You begin to sing, Ah, Lord God, the heart made the heavens and the earth by thy great power. Nothing is too difficult. You're just praising him. As you're doing that, your view of the circumstances that you're facing and the situations that are confronting you begin to align because you're saying what is true. You're saying what you believe will happen. And as you do that, your enemy knows that you now know. Do you understand what I'm saying? And everything is beginning to change. But the opposite also is the same. When you begin to say, ah, this Wahala, today is the 27th day. This is going to happen. This is going to happen. When you do that also, the enemy hears it. 
He said, the devil is not a fool. He's an intelligent being. God created him. You understand? So he takes feeders. So if he keeps hearing from your mouth praise, he will look at this one and say, let me not waste my time on this. Do you understand? So that is what praise does for us. It energizes us. It strengthens us as we go in the battle. But worship, worship is relational. Okay? Worship has nothing to do with a transaction or with God's ability. It has nothing to do with that. Somebody will be wondering, what does worship do? Worship is what I do when I know this one made me. He is my maker. Worship is to my maker. Let me give you an illustration. Okay? Some of us are privileged to still have our parents alive. You have your parents alive. Let me see your hand. You're blessed. Love them, eh? Okay. Now, your father... Eh? Your father. You see all these fine babes you see now. When you see their father, they don't look like them. Eh? Their father is old school. Probably tying wrapper. Where, where do men tie wrapper again? Here. With singlets, with holes. Eh? When you see their father, it is, he is their father. No matter the eyelash you put. Eh? No matter the jelinke you're doing. Daddy is daddy. It's only the fool that will deny the father because she has gone to the city. Are you getting what I'm saying? You know why? The act of him being father is not current. It's so rigid. It happened before your status changed. And as long as you are, he remains father. Now, when we worship God, we are going to the one who made us to say, you made me, I will bow before you. It doesn't matter whether I like what I'm seeing or I don't like what I'm seeing. It doesn't matter. You are my maker. My worship belongs to you. That's what worship is. The first mention of worship you see in the Bible was Abraham. When Abraham said to the servants, wait here. I and the Lord, Genesis 22, 5, will go yonder to worship. It was no praise. It was no thanksgiving. I don't understand what's going on. But this Isaac, you made him. Me, dead Abraham, you made me. Now you be owner. Let's go and worship you. My father is calling me. I remember those days in secondary school. Some of us may have had the experience. There are some people then that their parents will visit. Visiting day, they will dodge. In my school then, it happened. You don't blame them. Because you see, Ajebo School, Federal Government College. So people are coming. People used to come and visit with all kinds of cars those days when we were in school. You know? And then your, your dad comes, yellow taxi. Your, your dad and mom comes. There was one that brought Ijebu for The guy disappeared. Yellow taxi dropped. And the mother came all the way from maybe Ogun State or somewhere, maybe Lagos. The guy ran away because the type of guy he was doing in school could not identify with this type of mother and father. You know, even the boys they used to bring the food with would determine how, you know, you know small boys were gauging. The type of food flask. So some people actually got embarrassed. Okay. But worship is, he is my maker. That position is never negotiable. That position is never reviewed. He is my maker. That's why when Satan threw that temptation, he said, if you worship me, I give you everything. Because if I receive your worship, 
I can give you everything because you yourself now acknowledge me as your owner. You understand what it means? That's why, ladies that are here, be careful how you live your life. Even everybody, okay? Be careful who you pander to. Because there's a way you behave towards somebody. You begin to credit him with the position that is due your God alone. Even if he gives you billions, he can't earn it because he didn't make you. No matter what somebody does for you. And you're going to sense that if you're listening. You're going to sense that you begin to see attitudes where the person is actually talking to you like he owns you. That worship is not for him. You can thank him more. Oh, yes. Thanksgiving. You should thank. I mean, thank everybody. We teach children. And, you know, for me, I do that. I thank everybody for everything. You can praise people. I mean, um, which sports do I watch now? Okay, let's even say tennis. Those um, wizards that are in tennis. Djokovic and Nadal and the rest of them. I might not like them, but the guys are something else. Okay? So I can praise. I say, this guy is too much. This guy is too much. This guy. I can praise him. Do you understand? But worship. I can praise you. You sing. You know, you dance. I can say, wow, your skills are powerful. You know, this and this and that. Okay? But worship. The right to receive worship does not begin now. It's from creation. Who made me? Who made you? Okay? You take it from there. Okay? Who made me? Who made you? Who, who has the right? Psalm 95 verse 6. It says, Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before who? The Lord our maker. So when God said to Abraham, Take your only son, it was not to be negotiated. He gave him Isaac. He gave him his life. He gave him everything he was. So he said, let us go and bow and surrender to our maker. That's what Christians do. Christians worship God. You know, we say some things that people revolt and quarrel with it. When I say Christians shouldn't be ambitious, people argue with me. It depends. If you're a Christian, your maker has a plan. You mentioned Samsung. When they made Samsung, that your particular Samsung phone, the maker said this is the capacity. This is how much it can do. And then, apart from that, even though it's still in your hands, sometimes they tell you update. If you refuse to update, continuously refuse to update, one day your phone will be looking at you, just, bim, everything will go blank. Because you're no longer acknowledging the maker. They want to infuse their desire into that phone. You have bought it, but they made it so they want to put some things there. They say, we are changing this, we are removing this. You have no choice. I get what I'm saying. So it says, let us kneel before the Lord, our maker we worship him why why are we learning this because this position is the safest position the place of worship you see we talked about the dog when something is yours ultimate responsibility belongs to who is the owner if god owns me then just like he told us he says the hairs on your head you didn't number it your owner numbered it are you getting it now he says solomon in all his glory, was not clothed as any of the, the, these lilies of the field. He said, will I not clothe you? I'm your owner. Praise the Lord. Will I not provide for you, sir? Will I not meet you at the point of your need? I made you. I know what you need. I know what is heavy on your heart. W- will you not trust me? I'm your maker. So in Revelation 4.11, this is what, you know, 
the, the, the 20 and 4 others were saying, they say you are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory, honor and power. For what? You created all things. And by your will they exist and were created. His maker, his creator, he's my owner. I worship my source. I worship my sustainer, irrespective of my circumstance. As long as I have my being, the one who gave me being must receive my worship. That's the way it works. Job, what was the secret? He understood, he understood this. Let me show you a scripture. I'm sure you're already aware of it. Job chapter 1, verse 20 and 21. This is the place where if you enter as a Christian, you have entered Jaffa status. You know Jaffa in Chinese movie. Eh? What did Job say? The Bible says, then Job arose, tore his robe, and shaved his head. And he fell to the ground. And what? At this point is when it would have been appropriate to ask why. But God, why? Why? Why me? Is it not the maker that will decide who is the me and who is not the me? He said, he rose, shaved his head, tore his clothes, and fell to the ground. And what? Worship. He went back to the one who made him. Job does not have as much power to determine his lot as the one who made him. He fell down and worshipped him. Child of God, there is peace there. There is strength there. There is security. You know why? Exodus 34, 14. It says, you shall worship no other God. For the Lord whose name is jealous is what? Is a jealous God. Every situation the Christian finds himself, heaven is looking. Will worship be stolen? Will worship be diffused or will they concentrate on at that point with that thing job did his end was already secured because what job did was you are my god let's rise on our feet so somebody you're listening to me now and your issue is even in the office they may be your employer but god is your god somebody might be doing your review should we give him this job should we promote him should we give him this contract they may have all of that. But when your owner, <laughs> if you live in Abuja, I know what it means those days for someone to write behind his complimentary card. This one is from me. That's not this, this, this one is not saying it's from me. Say, this one is my own. I want you to just lift up your voice. Open up your heart and tell him you are my God. I will worship you. My life belongs to you. You are my boast. Is he your healer? Is he your provider? Is he the one you look to for safety? The one you look to for deliverance? The one you look to for, for favor? The one you look to for mercy? You are my God. I thank you for all the wonderful things you do. I thank you for the things you've delivered me from. I thank you. I thank you. I praise you for your mighty acts. For all the wonderful things you do. But tonight, oh Lord, this third day of August... I come to say I worship you. I come to give you my worship. I take it from everyone I've given it to. In fact, I repent, O oh Lord, of worshiping, of acknowledging anyone in this area. You've been listening to a message by Pastor Ike Naokeke of the Father's Church. We are sure you've been blessed. We invite you to worship with us at Eden 
Center, Banex Guarimpa Expressway, near Next Kashinkari, Abuja. For telephone, 09-290-9000 or 703 You can find us online at www.thefatherschurchonline.org. God bless you.